everyone. This is Haley Kellerton from Inside Scientific, the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today's episode of Expert Answers features Casey Stengel, President, Founder, and CEO of Neuralinks, Dr. John A. Wolf from the University of Pennsylvania, and Dr. Carrie Hoffman from Vanderbilt University. As a group, they discuss new wireless technology for single-unit electrophysiology recording in both small and large animals, with a focus on methodology, data outcomes, and the impact these devices will have on research involving naturally behaving subjects. Let's get started. This question is for you. What is the error rate of wireless transmission? We're seeing a very, very low data transmission rate. Last year, 2016, at uh, Society for Neuroscience, our demonstration was a cube on a uh, child's roller coaster, and it was doing loop-de-loops and barrel rolls, very high speed. And we're seeing the same in uh, the laboratory environment with very low data dropouts. The Wi-Fi is just very reliable. Great. John, this question is probably best for you. Can wireless technology better record cell activity during epileptic seizures? Yeah, that's a good question. So it's very difficult to record unit activity during seizures to begin with. We actually haven't had the pigs seizing yet while we've had units at the same time, so I can't answer it directly. I would assume that the the lack of the tether artifacts would uh, increase your chances of recording those while, while not having a tether present. But one caveat to that, of course, is you would have to know sort of what the rail-to-rail voltages of the seizures that you're getting in that region to make sure that they're within the constraints of the the intent chip, which is the limitation there. Okay, great. Thank you. Now, Carrie, one question for you. When you were doing the recording, was there a reference that you can compare the signal integrity with wireless data transmission? John mentioned, and I would underscore that the the selection of a reference is very important. And some of the some of the listeners out there might recognize too with the wireless or intan based technology, there are going to be more there are going to be yeah, more limitations in the flexibility of referencing than what you have with the tethered analog system, at least that Neuralink offers. So that does require some advanced planning, and you won't have quite as many options, but if you focused on a few key areas and what the best references for those areas are, you should be fine. John showed an example, right, using the ventricular referencing. So I, I think, as he mentioned, and I would just say the same thing, that you do want to try to have a separate reference from the ground. Wherever you can do that, you can expect that you're going to get better noise rejection and a stronger signal to noise. In terms of a reference system to the overall recording, we were in a situation of being able to plug in one of our quick clip EIBs that I showed you of those three that we had on the flex array and then have a cube attached to one of the others and do some direct comparison. Qualitatively, there was no difference. Again, qualitatively, we have yet to, to do more rigorous quantitative evaluation. The one thing I would say that in terms of the signal that's being reported, that was the same. There's processing lags that are, that you'll see with the wireless recording system. And that's something that if you were doing really strict, like millisecond level closed loop or contingent stimulation or, or something in the environment, changes in the environment, 
that would be something you need to you know recognize and that's something if, if you need that level of resolution that the tethered uh, has has an advantage over the wireless system for most applications when you're dealing with an animal's behaviors and movements they're already beyond that level of resolution but but that is something that we were able to you know do really literally the side-by-side -side comparison between the two and it was for us pretty impressive Awesome. Thank you so much. And just another quick question here for you too, Carrie. Six hours of recording. Do you save continuous data spikes and or spike waveforms? Yes. So we are recording continuous data. We can also record waveforms as well. The waveforms are the cheap ones, right? We use it in that situation to have maximal compression. We go direct to the SD card. John, I think, mentioned he uses that approach as well. And when we're doing that, we aren't at that point viewing the signal. So we, and, and Casey can comment on this, they've set the system up so that you still have wireless contact and you can send signals, but you save battery uh, and save space using the compression that goes directly to SD cards. So that's what you use for the overnight recordings. Okay. John or Casey, did you want to follow mm -hmm. up on it? Yeah, let me, let me just, before Casey addresses that, we are doing full wideband recordings at 30 kilohertz for 16 to 24 hours on those pigs every night. The compression helps, but you still have to decompress it to look at it. So The wireless systems are compatible with the Cheetah software. Cheetah software has been around for 20 years now. So you can do online spike detection and extraction and spike sorting and classification in, in real time. The main reason that we offer the micro SD card recording is so that you can turn the radio off and save battery power, but it's also very necessary when you have multiple animals. We're planning on supporting up to eight cubes running in parallel. In that situation, Wi-Fi just doesn't have enough bandwidth to transfer data from eight animals. So we record each animal's data to the micro SD card. And the, the way that we have the system designed, the Wi-Fi is still up to all active cubes, but it's only the command interface so that we can control things like recording to the micro SD card or turning uh, optogenetic stimulation on, aspects like that. Great. Thanks, Casey. And Casey, this one actually is, is a good question for you, too. What is the total bandwidth of the wireless system and what is the additional power consumption of the wireless system? Very good question. What we see is with the current radios, we have about 65 to 70 megabits per second. And that allows us to transmit 128 channels in real time. And what we typically see is about three quarters of a watt used for the Wi-Fi transmission. That's just standard Wi-Fi technology right now. Awesome. Thank you. And then another question that came in from Teo and John Carey, feel free to, to pitch in on this one as well. Is the Cube 2 reusable and is it easy to attach and remove? Okay, so reusable I mean, because you're removing it and attaching it, yes, it's agnostic to what it's getting attached to. You could attach to as many animals as you uh, as you desire, and the quick click connection, excuse me, quick click connection, is designed to be something that uh, attaches and releases pretty easily. For us, the connection 
requires planning in advance. To reiterate a phrase I got from Mark Bauer in grad school, movable parts move. So any of these things that you're going to be attaching and reattaching regularly, you want to try to decouple that as much as possible from the current indwelling aspects of your implant. We did see in our beta testing that when we didn't have things configured appropriately so that we got some warping on our board, that connection was not robust. It wasn't working for us. And it is something that you you can and we have started to fix using these bridge boards. And I'd like to hand it over to John because I think his solution is really the, the elegant solution to this. But again, the basic principle that you're going to want to design is that you have a removable attachment that is the interface that you're using most regularly because that is a part that over you know days weeks months years eventually that's going to be the part that goes and that means that that if it's removable you'll have the integrity of the rest of your implant uh, you know preserved john did you want to describe yeah, again sure. a little bit yeah, what you can, do can i summarize it very well I just want to elaborate on one point. So, for for example, for the rodents, what we do is we sort of layer adapters. One that goes into the omnetics connector is a quick clip to omnetics connector, and then the cube is placed on the quick clip adapter. And what that allows us to do is, if uh, something does happen to the quick clip adapter, which is rare, we can replace it. And so that animal survives based on you know the the time we want to have it around for implant, rather than when the pins break off or something happens to the omnetics connector. The, so that's when you have your, your cube and your AFE sort of bolted together, which is how the cube sort of comes stock. The other option is to do what we've done with the, with the pigs, which is to separate the analog front end completely and uh, use a quick clip adapter, but, but bolt it in basically, right? And then have a cable come off of that, which is also quick clip. So that solution allows us to really have a number of breakaway points where since we need to keep these animals around for nine months and they're obviously very precious to us, you know, that, that really removes the possibility of damaging pins that are implanted on the animal. You just have enough stages, basically, that you can recover any, anything that bends, etc. So that's been working out very well for us. I would recommend that style solution for the large animal war. Great. Thank you. Question from Brooke that's come in, and this is probably a, a good one for both Casey and John. Do animals habitate better in the wireless systems compared to the tethered systems? Yeah, so I can start on that, Casey. So, you know, we didn't, I think we tried once or twice with the pigs in their home cages to use tethers. You can imagine what kind of disaster that is over a longer period of time, right? So, you know, it just, it just wasn't a viable solution. We managed to get the tethers working with the clip, quick clip setup in the behavioral space for the pigs, and we ran a number of studies that way. But I have to tell you, it's just much, much easier using the wireless. The rats, we actually haven't done the sort of habitation studies the way Carrie's doing, where you are, are having them back in their home cages and they're interacting with each other with the wireless on. We haven't done that actually with the rats much. So I can't speak to that directly, but I, I don't see any problems with that other than we have to get a, a stiffer connect for that wireless cube if it's in the home cage. Yeah, but in terms of the macaques, it's just, and it wouldn't be only macaques, but macaques and a range of other species where just putting something on top of the head, those hands are going right at it. So a tethered approach, it's just not going to get you the same kinds of behaviors, you know, what it would take to try to, if they had the ability to reach the head, you know, the sorts of things that they would do. 
and, and that's why we have systems like where they have these chairs that they can sort of twirl around in so they're not completely immobilized, but they are, you know, held in place and then uh, had, having things uh, displayed to them in, in the confines of that chair in the booth. And so there's just... There's a stark difference between the kinds of things that you can do with the animal almost straight away with a cube attached compared to the things that you can do with them when they have a tethered system. And with rat applications, we have uh, a customer that was evaluating this, and he thought that the uh, 22 grams or so with the battery on a cube, then an additional 8 grams of the hyperdrive, was going to be too much for the good-sized rat to handle. And what he found was that the behavioral performance of the rat was actually better with the cube as opposed to the tethers, because the tethers, even with a good commutator and suspension system, the rat still experiences different pulling and stressing on that tether cable. And he was very surprised to see the rat perform better and more naturally with the cube in place. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you will tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work, offer tips, tricks, and best practices, but most of all, share science. Don't forget to subscribe.